Welcome to another edition of the Maculate Podcast. I'm your host, John West. Uh, today we got Father Mike McMahon with us again. Welcome Woo-hoo. back, Father. Round two for you. Yeah, I made it through the first one, and I guess it wasn't bad enough that you decided not to ever invite me back again. So You were coherent enough to warrant a second <laughs> visit. <laughs> we, appreciate, we appreciate it here. I think I'm going to get a badge to wear around the church, the parish. that says like coherent enough, like (laughs) Father Mike McMahon, (laughs) coherent associate parochial vicar. Thank you. Respect the office. (laughs) 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 Um, Well, the the first episode we had with you, we talked a lot about uh, online evangelization. Um, And this is, uh, we're going to kind of change gears from what we were talking about that last time. Uh, since you are a younger guy, you're 26? 26. Newly ordained. Yeah. Uh, but we respect the office anyways. <laughs> despite As, how despite I, me being older than you, yeah, I respect the office. Despite my unworthiness. <laughs> <laughs> no, but I think there is something to that that I don't think a lot of people know about is what it's like to be a young priest in in parish, like how you experience parish life and how, how that all kind of affects your day-to-day. So, I mean... I think a good place to start was just, what's it like being a uh, young new priest here at St. Mary Immaculate? I mean, I think the f- I, I would be dishonest if I didn't say, like, the first thing about being a, a young priest is it's kind of awesome, in a sense, because yeah. people are used to hearing, like, oh, there's a priest shortage, like, oh, we don't have as many priests as we used to have, like, uh, and everybody's just, like, whining. So then when they meet, like, a young priest, they're like, oh, my gosh, well, Father Mike, like, oh, he he's so, you know young and like (laughs) (laughs) that's always the first thing people say he's so young yeah and uh i mean so in that sense like you can't really do anything wrong of course unless you do something actually stupid like you do something wrong um but people are just happy because you are a sign that the church is alive and especially the vocation to the priesthood is alive so it's uh in that sense it's just great because you walk around and people are all happy to see you and um I mean, maybe it's partially because, like, if you're a young priest, like, you haven't had the years in to get, like, stressed Yeah, you're <laughs> not jaded yet. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> not that, you know, all our priests are jaded, but, you know, everybody knows what you're... <laughs> if you do anything long enough, you become jaded. That's yeah. universal, not just with the priesthood. Right. Obviously, there are a lot of older priests that are not like that, and a lot of them in our diocese, praise oh, yeah. God, but it's like, you can't... <laughs> let that get to you but yeah it's nice having a younger energy amongst uh, your presbyterate uh, and uh i think um our bishop bishop conlin uh shout out to bishop conlin. to bishop conlin god bless you your excellency thanks thanks so much for listening or you know maybe someone told you about this i doubt you would actually listen to it but <laughs> we love you thanks for ordaining me i'll send you a link <laughs> <laughs> uh but someone was uh saying to him i think one of the deacons over at the cathedral was saying like oh uh Father Ryan Adorjan, who's my classmate, like, oh, he's got so much energy. And Bishop's like, well, he better. Like, (laughs) he's not old. Like, you know, we need, you know, uh, they they would tell us in seminary, like, we need 50 years out of you boys. So, like, take care of yourself and, you know, uh, treat it like a marathon, not like a sprint. So, um, in that sense, it's great because, you know, I haven't had that. I don't have um, all the weight of the world that like a pastor has on his shoulders um, being the parochial vicar. So for those of you who don't know, parochial vicar is like the technical canon law term for a priest who's been assigned to a parish 
to we, assist the pastor. So and we joked about that in our first recorded episode. So if you want, yeah. if you if you're jumping around, go back and listen to that yeah. one. But there there was a like time where it was more fashionable to say like associate pastor, but as the canon the priest, you know, one of the canon lawyers of our diocese said like associate pastors, you know, implies that you have actual authority. You don't. <laughs> you're you're just. You know, and vicar meaning representative. I think it comes from the old English word, like vicar means bridge. So oh, you're the parochial's bridge to the pastor. So like I represent the pastor when he's unavailable or the masses he can't say here in the parish. So oh, I didn't know that. You're kind of a bridge. So that's kind of cool. And it sounds really fun. And I feel like the word vicar sounds very English. So I sound like, sound like I'm like in Downton Abbey, like, oh, yes, he's the vicar of, you know, Northumber Church. You know, but anyways. <laughs> Father John Brown. No, what's his name? Father... Father Brown. Just Father Brown. Father Brown oh, yeah. is that Father John? I, I don't know if his name's Father John. Brown? He's just Father Brown. That was an era where you were father last name only, so... That's true. No. Yeah, so... But yes, I'm not a sleuthing detective priest. I'm a bumbling <laughs> trying to figure out what I'm doing. <laughs> a newly ordained priest, so... Well, that's interesting that you say, like, I'm trying to figure out what I'm doing. So you've been a priest now since June... May, May 26th. May 26th. Yeah. So what are some, like, are there things that you, like, weren't, because obviously you were very excited to become Uh ordained. I was in seminary, and I remember you when we were still technically classmates. Like, you were very excited about being ordained, and that excitement has carried over into Uh priesthood, obviously. So I'm curious as to see, like, are there things that you didn't expect, like, when you, all this, now now you're ordained, you've got the priest vestments on not the deacon ones uh-huh. like what are some things that you didn't expect to happen it's so funny because like you gave me you, you know not you, to like, put you on the me, spot yeah, but you, you know. totally aren't putting on the spot that's the best thing like i've had actually like a week to kind of mull some of these uh questions over but some some of it's just hard to articulate um what like what was i expecting when i was into priest like i think a lot of those expectations have been met um you know people would ask you when you're like a deacon especially like oh what are you lo- looking most forward to about being a priest and I think all the guys, it was like, well, obviously, you know, celebrating the Eucharist, like consecrating the body, blood, soul, and divinity of Jesus. Like, that's such a privilege. And uh, I mean, I've wanted to do that. You know, I've talked about being a priest since I was in like second grade. And, uh, you know, what what most attracted me to the priesthood? Well, the Eucharist, you know, wanting to be close to the mystery of the Mass. So that's obviously amazing. And then I think the other thing I would talk about is just hearing confessions, um, because it is um, such a privileged ministry of mercy. And what's surprising is um, once you kind of figure out how daily mass and Sunday mass go, which I felt very prepared uh, going into that, there weren't, you know, I think my biggest struggle, like my first, you know, couple weeks was my daily masses were like a little longer, (laughs) like (laughs) more like 35 minutes, just because like there had to be thinking between every step. Uh, But this, like at the same time, there weren't any huge mistakes. So once that rhythm kind of it was started, valid. yeah, they were valid and mostly licit. Again, Bishop, <laughs> thank you very much for listening. Sorry about, yeah, no, but they were all valid and I even think they were all licit too. So uh, what's kind of funny is like daily mass still feels a lot like daily mass. It's just, you do a lot more speaking at it. And um, oh, interesting. what I like about that is, um, you know, as, as the priest, probably the biggest, this is very subjective. I think if you ask every priest, it'll be different, but my experience has been um, a an awareness of the aspect that the Eucharist is the representation of the crucifixion of Jesus. And as the priest saying the prayers, and I think it's just something about the prayers the priest has to say, whether it be the canon or the Eucharistic prayers, um, you're very aware, since you're the one actually reading the words, like you're very present to Calvary. Um, 
and it's a tremendous opportunity to be united to Christ in the passion. Um, and not, and you know, that could sound like really uber intense, like, Oh, like, are you experiencing like the passion? It's just like, well, no, no, like I'm not like, <laughs> you don't have the stigma. Yeah. I don't have anything like, like that, but just like an awareness, like it's probably more like, I feel much like more like St. John, like standing at the foot of the cross, participating in that way. And, um, I think our lady and St. John, like that's a tremendous position of intercession that you're standing there when you're so, you know, close in proximity to, um, the Lord offering his sacrifice of himself. So I find it as a beautiful time to pray, you know, like, um, just from the moment, like I lift the host after I say the words of institution, like I I just feel like, Oh, there he is. There's Jesus, you know, suffering and dying, like living out the Paschal mystery again. And all the prayers that people have given me and all the desires of my own heart, like, you know, I'm holding the Lord at that moment. And, uh, that's, that's so beautiful you know, raising the chalice at the same time, like, and, um, uh, one of my favorite spiritual writers slash liturgical spiritual writers is, um, Abbot, blessed Abbot Marmion. One thing that he would always go back to in the mass, like this was like a cornerstone for his spirituality. It's like through him, with him and in him. And like the whole, a huge part of the Christian life is learning how to live through Christ in Christ and with Christ, um, in everything we do. And especially at that moment of the, you know, I think they call that the major elevation at the mass where the priest is at the, the host and the chalice. Um, but it's like through Christ, with Christ and in Christ, like I get to participate as a priest, like offering the Eucharist to the Father on behalf of the pe- people. So I think that all that is to say, like the, the amazing thing is you do, I'm starting to feel like a real mediator, which I think is what mm. the theology of the priesthood is all about. Like you mediate on behalf of the faithful to God. And then you mediate God to the faithful. And uh, that is such a privilege. Um, I got to experience it already as a deacon, especially through preaching, because in preaching, you're mediating too. You're like helping people come to know, like when you when you read a book, sometimes you can misread. I don't know if you've ever misread an article or something, but I remember getting assigned an article in school that I was reading it and it was saying all this terrible stuff and I was really insulted by it. I think this is in like high school. And later on, I found out like, oh, this was a satirical article. Like you're not supposed <laughs> to take it seriously. Yeah. Um, but I think you can misread, you might say, like the gospel or the scriptures. Like people can yeah. hear things that, you know, they hear something that's like really harsh. That's okay. Uh, maybe this is challenging, but, you know, it's not mean a reason to fear God in the bad sense, like fear to have a relationship, you know. Um, and then as a preacher, you can help people grow in their understanding of who God is, that he truly is um, a loving father and how Christ, like um, when I was a kid, I used to think like when I saw a crucifix, I'd be like really sad and ashamed. Like, oh no, I'm a sinner. So like Jesus had to die for my sins. And like, that's true. I'm a sinner and Jesus died for my sins. Like mark my words, like that is all true. But um, and a spiritual director who really pointed out, especially in the gospel of John, like no one takes my life from me. I lay it down freely. Like this is the cruise, the cross is yeah. Jesus's gift. Um, and if we, if we don't realize like all this, all this is about gift, then we actually can misread what the whole gospel is about. Then it's just like the angry God shaking his finger at you, like be a better person when really it's a loving father who's calling us back into relationship and the necessary conversion that that entails. So um, that's another privilege of being a minister, you know, especially being a priest, being a deacon, you can mediate again, the real, you know, what God is speaking in his word. And then that last part, hearing confessions, 
it's the same reason. Like you get to go one-on-one now. Like when you're preaching, you're helping mediate the will of God, the, the teaching, the wisdom of God to people. Then like you can have one-on-one checkups with patience, if you will, like with your penitence. And you can very intimately and beautifully like apply the gospel to their lives and speak the good news um, of, you know, you know, like, okay, you can say like, you know, the kingdom of God is at hand, repent and believe in the gospel. That's basically what the priest's job is when people come to confession. It's not to, you know, the theology says like the priest is a judge, but like he's a merciful judge, like, you know, and, uh, you know, the mercy covers justice, God's justice. So like you get to speak the words of mercy to them. You get to say like, you know, you know, little girl, I say to you, arise, you know, little boy, I say to you, arise, like people come and tell you they're sending, like, you know what I have to say to that? God still loves you. He forgives you. Here's a penance. Here's some things to work on. Um, but you know, Christ has overcome your weakness. He's overcome your sin. Like go and sin no more. And guess what? If it should happen that you sin, uh, sin again, come back. <laughs> come Which back will and be see, inevitable. Yeah, exactly. So, um, I, yeah, so I think those are the three big things, like mediating for people as an intercessor in the Eucharist, you know, mediating people like the word of God in the homily, especially, and then, you know, like mediating for people as a, as a minister of the sacrament of reconciliation is, those are the things I love. And, and in some sense, like I couldn't anticipate that, like I dreamed, I could dream about it, yeah. but now I see the, how you're so close to Christ in it. It's, it's so beautiful. What do you think people's reactions to your age are initially? Because when you first got here, I think people, well, our previous associate vicar, Father David Mowry, was a little bit older. He was like 30 or so, but he was still... Oh, he was a, super old. Then, he was yeah. a, he's a younger guy, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Younger, well, he yeah. was young, but not as young as yeah. you. Have, have people been generally pretty supportive? Uh, like, how do people react when they see you? Here is the huge surprise, like... People don't allude to my age, at least to my face, you know, very much. Actually. Oh, really? So when That's I was good. when I was a deacon, people were like constantly asking me how old I was. You know, I don't know why that oh. was, but as a transitional deacon, I'm still a deacon for the record. But as a transitional deacon <laughs> yeah. before I was a priest, but they're like, "Oh, how old are you? How old are you?" And like, I don't know. I grew a beard at that time to try and cover up my age and. Let's be honest, yeah, it wasn't see, the best beard ever. If you see the seminarian poster, oh my gosh. and you're like, who's Father Mike McMahon okay, now? Yeah. It's a very different looking person. Tangent, tangent. If you have seen that poster, I apologize. <laughs> so I had a, I did not have a beautiful beard. I didn't have an amazing beard, but I really wanted one. But the day they took the seminarian pictures, it's always ordination day. They have like this photographer come and like all the seminaries line up. I totally forgot that it was picture day. So, and I woke up late for the ordination. Ma- it wasn't my ordination mass. It was <laughs> the year before, but, um, I woke up late. So like, I just got up, I showered, you know, like, and then I pretty much just went straight to the cathedral and I arrived there. I didn't have a suit jacket on. I didn't have my best collar on and I didn't really bother to trim up my beard that morning. So like, if you see this picture, like my beard is going in all these different directions and it's like way thicker and bushier than it should have been. And I was so embarrassed when I saw those pictures and like, and they made me take my glasses off because like the glare was too bad. So it looks nothing like me right now. Um, That's true. For those who have never seen Father Mike, he is uh, clean shaven and wears uh, black glasses. He's very handsome, if I do say so myself. Well. You know, easy on the eyes, as you might say. Just kidding. Yeah, definitely Be the not. judge of yourself. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> At these particular yeah. places. <laughs> 
Yeah. So like nobody, people as a deacon for some reason, I think they're just curious because I was going to be ordained. I think I've only had one person actually like go out of their way and ask me, like just parishioner, how old I was since I've been here. And I'm coming to realize, I think it's because of what we're called. We're called father. And, um, uh, people just, people just call me father Mike, you know, or father McMahon, sometimes father Michael, I don't know. But I think when you just say father, you're giving the person, um, I don't know, just socially and all this like, you know, irreverence and respect. And it's, it's beautiful to be called father. And, um, but it's weird cause some of my kids are like 80, <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> and, uh, I'm just like the, the man who's, you know, calling me father at daily mass, like you are literally thrice my age. <laughs> well, it's funny. I remember when I was in seminary, there was a priest who would say, you know, the, the, the daily mass people will call you father right off the, the bat. Mm-hmm. Like they're going to respect your, I mean, respect the office, quote unquote, yeah. like right off the top. But like some of the other people will, will be hesitant because you're younger. Mm-hmm. Um, that's good to know that, that you haven't experienced that. And that's yeah. like, what if people your age, like, so the run of the mill, either college student or 25, 27 year old, have they, what's, what's an interaction been like with them? Or maybe even like a classmate of yours, like from high school that has seen you now yeah. since being ordained. Um, it's, it's kind of hard to answer that. Um, so I mean, I go to the coffee shop a lot, like stereotypical millennial, like, oh yeah, (laughs) I'll have, um, I'm going to have a coffee. Yeah. No, please. Um, can I have a pour over? Thank you. No, I actually don't get Father Mike, side note, Father Mike is very into his coffee. He has his own personal, uh, thing in his office. Yeah. Um, he does not drink the, he does not drink the potted coffee that I subject myself to. Yeah. Maxwell house, Maxwell lame. I'm so sorry, by the way, if you work for Maxwell House, like that's a great way to make a living. Um, but <laughs> our not new sponsor, me. Maxwell House, yeah. <laughs> is pulling their sponsorship. Yeah. Um, so, uh, so just like going to the coffee shop, like people look. I mean, I think people are registering. I think what they see more is priest before they even notice like young priest. Um, yeah. And uh, it's it's kind of fun. I don't know. I feel I'm still feel my age. So just like a typical, you know, millennial in the sense, you know, obviously not maybe most typical millennials aren't catholics and certainly not priests but um just like yeah i'm here for coffee and like it better be good dang it otherwise i'm going somewhere else like uh and uh, i just go in and it's fun to um build a rapport with people because they see priest and what they assume priest means like i have no idea what they assume priest means um it could be based on someone's experience in the culture like unfortunately nowadays like maybe people see a priest and they think like the first thing that goes through the head might be like is he a is he an abuser like that's a sad state of things. Or when they see priests, do they think of someone who's, um, you know, really strict and going to like, just give them the little, you know, lay the law on them. Um, but my experience is like, well, I don't let them go that far. Cause I try to be joyful, try to be, I'm naturally kind of a goofy dude. So I'm always looking for times to, um, joke around and laugh and, um, just relate to people like that. So like the local coffee shop here in Plainfield, like now that I've been there, like, I don't know, 30 times <laughs> in three months. You're a regular now. Yeah, I'm a regular. Like I got to know the owner and stuff like that. So um, I try to, I think people are open. Since you're a young priest, they're a little more open because you're still a young person. So they're like, oh, what does this young man have to say? Slash, what does this priest have to say? And then young and priest come together. People are intrigued. So that's just my perception. As for friends that I've known for such a long time, um, what's what's beautiful is i'm still just mike to them and yeah. i think um the well they pre- knew you pre-ordination yeah. so they they're knew like pre-ordination. Yeah, goofball mike McMahon yeah exactly we went to high school with and uh, i think that's really healthy 
because um, the priesthood is, you know, I just got to speak about like all the wonderful, like the real privileges of like that mediation that goes on with God. But there's also like really stressful and really like boring stuff and like really intense stuff. And sometimes it is a hard life, um, just the dynamics. But so it's great to have people that I'm still just, you know, I'm, you know, still my parents' son. I'm still my grandparents' grandson. I'm still, you know, my, my younger brother. <laughs> I have a brother who's eight years younger than me. Like, I'm definitely still Mike to him. Like, he doesn't take any of my, you know, they don't suffer fools. So, which means they don't suffer me implicitly. But, uh, so it's good to have that base of people that you're still, um, you know, you're always a priest no matter what you're doing. But at least with your family, like, they're not looking for you to minister to them as a priest. They're just looking for that relationship as a son, looking for that relationship as a grandson or brother. Um, or, you know, for your friends from high school and family friends, like they're going to look for that. Um, and that's, that's probably another surprising thing about being a priest. Like people, like we're wearing the collar, we're out in public, we're presenting ourselves. Like I'm here to bring Christ to you. That's basically what the collar says. So people respond to that. So sometimes you get a little tired, to be honest, cause you're like all these people, like, I have no idea who they are, but they, they know that they come to me and like, yeah. give me some grace today, father. And you're like, um, <laughs> well, fortunately for you, yeah. you're pretty extroverted. Cause yeah. I think there are probably quite a few introverted guys who it, it's tough on them initially. Yeah. I think, um, just having to constantly deal, not deal with, but like constantly interacting with people yeah. on such a regular basis where they don't have their, the time that they're used to having to kind of shut down and recharge yeah and like lest i fall into whining i just imagine what parents of children are thinking like, oh for sure children yeah. are radically needy like especially in the infants you know what i mean it's just like all they want to do is like sleep eat poop like change my <laughs> diaper give me more food like put me down for a nap no not a nap there no i want to be on the other side like in a some sense like you're a father of a spiritual family like a spiritual community that's been baptized into christ so like some and like just like a parent like you know if you've got a couple kids like one's a teenager while one's a 20 something while one's a 30 something and they all need different things they're all needy in different ways so like some days you hear a lot from the you know like the really needy people in the church like the infants are kind of like screaming you're like i'm really exhausted like i've been up all night um, but then sometimes you meet, you know, sometimes your kids can be really helpful. Like, um, you know, when your high school teenager isn't being too sassy, like, oh, I kind of like having you around. Like, you're giving me more. Um, and then sometimes you have adult children who are like, oh, you're really helpful. And then um, what's cool about being a young priest is, you know, all these people call you father, but there are also real fathers and mothers in the parish that are teaching you how to be a priest not in a way like, oh, I'm going to tell you how to be a good priest. Like, here's, here's your, here's, this is what your agenda should be. This is what you should think. But like, they're helping you learn how to be a shepherd, um, how to be a father, um, you know, and there's that beautiful give and take. Um, it's the, the, the hardest things have been about, um, transition into, uh, out of the seminary and into a full-time ministry life, like that, People should feel free to always ask of their priests, but then at the same time, like the priest should have um, a good sense of like, all right, I got to take care of myself too. Not in like the, oh, self-care, like I need to make myself feel good today. But like, no, really, like I, sh- I need to exercise. I need to eat healthy. I need to live a balanced life. Otherwise, you can't be who you're meant to be with exception, of course, because at the end of the day, it's a, uh, you're supposed to call it, we're called to give ourselves just like Christ gave his life for his bride. So yeah, and I love that comparison of you're a new father and like all new fathers whether you're married or a priest there is that 
adjustment of tending to the mm-hmm. people that you've been entrusted with, whether it's one or 8,100 families worth of people. Yeah. So, well, we're really happy to have you here and we're really happy that you're experiencing fatherhood with us here at St. Mary Immaculate. So you've been a godsend to us for the first few months. Oh my and gosh, that's really strong. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, literally yeah, a godsend. Yeah. Okay. God sent you to us. So that's true. It's, uh, it's great having you here. And I look forward to having you here on more, more of these podcasts and we can pick your brain about uh, other things going on in, in the world and specifically the Catholic world. But in the meantime, uh, we'll be seeing you around at uh, at Mass and at other ministries and Great. things around the community, yeah. too. Thanks, so. John. You're always welcome to pick my brain. And as my dad said, you can pick your friends, you can pick your nose, but you can't pick your friend's nose. Thank you. Well said. <laughs>